latest data and research on affluent donors and what that means for your fundraising. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Chelsea Clark. Dr. Clark serves on the research team at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, which just published the Bank of America Study of Philanthropy, taking a look specifically at the charitable giving of affluent donors. And Chelsea, thanks for being back with us on the Fundraising School's podcast. Absolutely. Glad to be here with you, Bill. I guess maybe the first question people have then is how did we define affluent in this study and what were some of the key findings? Sure. I'd be happy to address that. So this is the eighth in a series of typically biennial studies that we've been doing with Bank of America since um, about 2005. And our definition of affluent has remained consistent over time. And what that means for us are households that have an income of at least $200,000 or more and or have a net worth of a million dollars or more, excluding the value of their primary residence. All right. That's a very clear definition that's been consistent across the eight studies. What did this study find? So this study um, was, it's been fun. It's been unique. Um, We all know that the past couple of years have been very different from from normal. Um, Typically, this study would have been launched in 2020 um, because it's a biennial study typically put out in the even number years. But we decided, given everything going on with the pandemic, to pivot and delay the release of this study by a year. And so we actually just launched it earlier um, this fall in 2021. And when we, because we wanted to look at the entire year of 2020 to see how the pandemic influenced charitable giving. Um, So instead of looking at giving in 2019, in the 2020 study, we're looking at giving in 2020, in the 2021 study. Um, And so I think, you know, to really, to start from a positive perspective, what we saw as a key finding in this study is that despite everything going on in in 2020, the pandemic, the social and racial justice um, issues that arose, giving by the affluent households um, remained consistent and remained strong. Um, Nearly 90% of households gave to charity, Um, And the average amount of gifts given by affluent households actually increased substantially since the last time we conducted the study back in 2017. Um, So giving remained strong despite everything, both in terms of the percentages giving and the amounts given um, increased. So that was something that we took away as, you know, a really, a really positive finding from this, from this study that despite everything going on and the way we all had to, you know, change and pivot in our own lives, these households continued um, being generous. So 90% of households donating, their average giving rose in the year 2020 compared to previous studies. I noted with interest, you placed emphasis on the word positive findings, which would lead me to believe maybe there were some not positive findings. What else did you discover? Well, I mean, I guess you could think of this as less positive, but it's also not surprising. So we did see that the percentage of households volunteering declined um, in 2020, which given all of the lockdowns and all of the social distancing, this really wasn't a surprise. Um, But there was a significant decline in the percentage of households that volunteered between 2017 and 2020. Um, So that was a shift that, you know, we could think of as more negative. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if in future rounds of the study, as things improve and we can get back together and be in community, we might see volunteering go back up in the future. Yeah. So we don't know if that's just less interest in volunteering or maybe just caused by the pandemic. Exactly. And that's important because volunteering is a form of philanthropic engagement in and of itself. And of course, can be a first step to somebody becoming a donor. So it's a 
data point we're going to watch. You know, Chelsea, you mentioned this is the eighth report. Um, were there some things that jumped out compared to report number seven a few years ago that really stood out to you and your colleagues? Um, yeah, there were a few things that we saw um, increase over time, specifically a focus on giving based on issues. Mm. Um, and so that was really interesting. Um, throughout a lot of the studies, we've asked a question about what drives charitable giving by the affluent households. Um, and we've given options of the organization itself, issues, or geography. Um, and, and over the course of all of the studies, we've always seen organizations jump out as what is most driving charitable giving. And we still saw that this year where the very top answer was organizations. Um, these households tend to give to the same organizations year after year to support the organization. But what we saw increase significantly since 2017 was how many households are giving based on issues. So pretty much the percentage giving based on organizations and the percentage giving based on issues was neck and neck this year. And that's a significant departure from previous years where organizations really dominated. So this idea of issue-based giving has become very um, important, um, very significant over time. And we've really seen when we break that out that younger um, and more diverse households really seem to be driven by wanting to support issues that they care about, as opposed to just supporting an organization year after year. Chelsea, can you help break that down a little bit more as we think about advice for fundraisers and the practical action they can take from this excellent information you're giving us? So giving to issues, does that mean that those gifts not necessarily went to 501c3 nonprofit organizations where the fundraisers work who utilize the fundraising school, or I'm giving to an issue through an organization I support. Can you help us understand that, please? Sure, absolutely. When we asked this question, we were specifically talking about charitable giving to 501c3 organizations. Um, and I think it was more of the question of asking people to differentiate, are you giving to um, the same organization year over year versus are you giving to nonprofit organizations based on specific issue areas? And so I think, um, you know, I think there's a lot that you can take away and you can do with that. Um, you know, it, it seems like it has been in the past that an organization could cultivate a donor base that they knew if they kept um, staying in front of, they might have consistent gifts year after year because the individual really cared about the mission of the organization and really trusted the organization itself. And while that's still true for the plurality of our respondents, what we're seeing is that a big segment um, are really starting to say, I'm not going to just keep giving year after year to the same organization. And the organization, it may have to be a little bit more creative to think about, you know, how can I understand what issues my donors really care about and focus on those issues? So it may be more targeted um, marketing, reaching out to, to individuals. Um, it could be that an individual might still give to the same organization year after year, but it's more because a specific issue that organization is highlighting and focusing on and solving. Um, and, or it could be that individuals are really just spreading out their gifts to a bunch of different organizations that have that same issue area. Um, and so I think that is something organizations are going to need to be thinking about and nonprofit leaders are going to think about, you know, how can I make sure I understand the issues that my donors care about? I don't want to just keep talking about how great my organization is and the mission of my organization. I need to say, and this organization is solving this issue and addressing this issue. Um, and understanding that different donors, whether it's a, an older donor, a younger donor, might be giving to your organization for very different reasons. Um, the older donor might be giving simply to support the organization because they've always supported the organization and the younger donor might be giving because of one key issue that the organization is, is seeking to solve. 
the fundraising school teaches that the most important tool you have, uh, the very first tool needed is the fundraising case for support. It's at the very first step of our 14 step fundraising cycle. And the case for support has your big compelling idea, the specific problem you're trying to solve or opportunity you're trying to fulfill, uh, your programs and your services, your results, and why this particular donor should care. And as I hear Dr. Clark, what I'm hearing is my case for support. Donors in the past perhaps were very interested in my programs and my services, kind mm -hmm. of the what I'm doing in my organization. But as I'm fundraising with these data, I'm thinking about my big compelling idea that comes mm -hmm. from the vision statement and my strategic plan, my public service mission. And I'm also thinking about that last step, why a donor should care. And it might be the why of what you're doing more than the what of what you're doing for some of these affluent donors in this study. So just one way to perhaps operationalize uh, the findings from this report. Another finding, Chelsea, is you notice some differences in digital fundraising mm -hmm. amongst this group of donors. What did this study reveal? Sure. Um, and we asked about a lot of um, giving via different digital platforms this year that we hadn't talked about before. Um, so we investigated looking at giving through donor nonprofit websites, through digital tools like crowdfunding, GoFundMe, things like that, through payment processing apps, social media. Um, and probably not surprisingly to your audience, you know, we saw that younger and more diverse donors were more apt to use a lot of these online platforms. Um, we saw that younger donors were significantly more likely to be interested in becoming more knowledgeable about giving in these different ways as well. Um, so not only are they using these digital tools more frequently than some of the older donors, um, they're also interested in continuing to use these tools and learning more about these tools. Um, and so it was, I think that was a, a new part of the study because we'd never asked about giving via these digital tools before, um, but we did see that more than half overall were using nonprofit websites to give and then smaller percentages were using the other types of digital tools to give. Fundraisers know that uh, digital fundraising increased exponentially because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And at the fundraising school, we don't think that's ever going backwards. Technology never goes backwards. And what these data show us is this is also true amongst our affluent donors. And this is also consistent with another study that our school published on crowdfunding. If you want to diversify your donor database to bring in more younger generation donors, more donors of color, um, digital means are a way to do that. And we're also seeing the more seasoned generations using the digital platforms as well, including amongst the affluent, who we might think just mm -hmm. write that check, use that credit card, they're also going into the digital space as well, Chelsea. That's an important takeaway from this study. Other findings that you have for us, uh, advice that you have for fundraisers to implement the findings uh, from this Bank of America study of philanthropy. Sure. Um, I mean, two quick things that I'll just point out is that we saw um, increases since 2017 in impact investing um, and in giving vehicle usage. Um, so those are just th two things to become aware of that you know, our, our affluent households are really diversifying in how they give, whether it's through digital tools, whether it's through giving vehicles, um, whether it's through impact investing, but they're, they're really broadening what it means to be charitable and how they're, um, how they're being generous and, and what those actions look like. So, you know, I think for your fundraisers, just realizing that, like you just said, Bill, you know, writing the check is not the only way to, to give a gift this year. Um, and in, in the future, you know, our donors are really becoming very savvy on a lot of different types of platforms um, and are really looking to, um, you know, their relationship to be cultivated using all of these different platforms as well. 
Um, so I think that's something to be aware of. And then I think going back to um, you know, your very early statement where we were talking about overall giving and volunteering and how important really both of them are, um, we did find an interesting result in this study um, that despite the, um, you know, the decline in households volunteering during the pandemic, we saw that the households that continued volunteering, the ones that did volunteer in 2020, gave a significantly larger average gift in 2020 as well. Um, so there really is a, um, you know, a relationship between giving and volunteering. And so if you're able to not just get a charitable dollar contribution from a, from a donor or just get volunteer hours, but if you're able to link the two of those together and really find a way to engage someone wanting to give back their um, you know, time, treasure, and talents to your organization. You know, that's going to be probably your strongest base of support. Great advice. And uh, not surprising to hear that's consistent with the research throughout the ages, that if our volunteers are engaged and treated well, they're very likely to become donors, including at higher amounts. And again, at the fundraising school, we want to emphasize all gifts matter. All donors matter. We do not need to apply this word generosity just to the wealthiest donors. It applies to all of our donors across our donor database. It just so happens in this particular study, we're looking at affluent donors in the Bank of America Study of Philanthropy, which can be found on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu. Now, across the top toolbar, you'll see the word research. You'll see the pull-down menu, and you'll find the study there free of charge. Now, a little bit over to the left of research is professional development. That's where you find the fundraising school with our public courses, which are online asynchronous, meaning recorded, online virtual, meaning live, and more and more in person in more U.S. cities. And of course, with custom training, we can come straight to your nonprofit, your association, your region in the United States and across the world. We have these free podcasts, quarterly webinars, and again, that website, philanthropy.iupui. Edu. Our guest today, Dr. Chelsea Clark, our producers, Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm-hmm.